Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome back to Live Mike. I am Lee Lonsberry. We continue to stand by for President Donald Trump as we await his remarks expected to be delivered from the Rose Garden just outside the White House. When he steps to the microphone, we will bring that to you live here on KSL News Radio. I am looking forward to this next conversation. I'm going to be speaking with Mrs. Jenny Taylor. You know her. She uh, right now is serving as the civilian aide to the Secretary of the Army. And she first came to our consciousness uh, via an unfortunate circumstance. Her husband, Major Brent Taylor, in November of 2018, lost his life in Afghanistan. He was very committed to academics. He held many degrees. And in his memory, a scholarship has been established by his widow, Mrs. Jenny Taylor, who joins me now. Uh, Mrs. Taylor, how are you? I'm well. How are you, Lee? I'm all right. It's always good to to have you here on these airwaves. Uh, tell me, how, how did you spend your Memorial Day yesterday? Um, well, we went to the cemetery like a lot of people in America. We spent time with family and loved ones. We I did some laundry. Like, I'll throw that in there because with seven kids, laundry day is kind of every day. Yeah. And um, then we ended up back at the cemetery in the evening. So we put a lot of pictures of my husband on his grave. We just kind of decorated that and told memories and shared stories. And it was it was a great day to do that. And, and really just pause and reflect. I'll admit I spent, I spent a fair amount of time on social media looking at all the different tributes and programs and shout-outs and things that people around the country were sharing of the soldier or sailor that they knew, the military person that they knew that had given his or her life, and, and just realized, wow, we, you know, we're part of something so much bigger than us. But it was, it was actually a really great day. It was a hard weekend. It's heavy with a lot of emotions. But when yesterday yeah. came and all of America kind of pauses to remember – I'll tell you, that's when that's when you feel the power of just everyone's prayers and, and this common gratitude that we share for the men and women who have given us the lives that we have. So it was, it was actually a really wonderful day. Outstanding. Uh, well, it, it's heartbreaking to know that you understand this day more than, more than most, uh, but I am grateful to you for being an ambassador for uh, what it means to remember those who have given uh, all. Tell me, about, tell me about the scholarship. How is that going? 
We're super excited to announce that uh, there's a major Brent Taylor scholarship at both of his collegiate alma maters, BYU and the U of U. And they, both schools have chosen two recipients this year, so that's a total of four men who will all be receiving a scholarship for the fall of 2020 semester to help further their education. A couple of them are in the military themselves political science students uh, with desire to serve their community, kind of different paths of life that they've each taken, but all dedicated to what we kind of focus on. We call it the service-oriented leadership, We're looking for people who are whatever avenue of leadership they want to go into, military, be it politics, be it business. The idea is we're looking for those leaders who realize the importance of service as the basis of their leadership. And I feel like the university panel that I am. I'm so impressed as I read their biographies and hope that when the world opens up a little bit more, we'll be able to meet each of them in person and just shake their hands and look them in the eye and say, wow, thank you for the lives you've already lived and for the commitment you've shown for what you what you hope and see to do years is the way ahead. Outstanding. Have you, have you had a chance to, to speak with them on the phone at all? What, uh, what do you know about these recipients? So I've spoken to a couple of them just through um, distance communication. Like you said, I haven't met any of them. I know a couple of them um, are young. One of them is is not your typical, you think of, you know, back candidate that's 18 straight out of high school. His name is Nick Bloss. He's actually a current active duty Air Force officer, and he's a lieutenant colonel already, and he's pursuing his Ph.D. So this, I read about him, and I think, man, this is this is like Brent's counterpart right here, someone mm-hmm. who's advanced in his career, already educated, already a professional, and yet seeking further education. Like, how perfect is that? And then there's a couple of things who are younger, more traditional. You think of a college kid or whatever, but they're uh, in the ROTC at BYU, for example, one of them. There are uh, – one of them has kind of – different serving opportunities near military bases, though he himself hasn't been in the military, but the military has impacted his life. Um, they tell us a little bit about their family, their background, and then hopes and dreams. And it's something that's say, wow, America's in good hands. If we've got people like this pursuing degrees at America's universities and then going out into the real world, the professional environment, we, our future is bright. Share with the listeners and with me a little bit about uh, your late husband's commitment to education. You are giving scholarships at both Brigham Young University and the University uh, of Utah. Talk to me about his educational career and and why there are scholarships available at these two universities. Okay, well, that's a great question. Um, For one, Brent and I started our life together while we were both in college. So that is like, you know, just the beginning of our story of us was at Brigham Young University he was a political science student, a bachelor's student, and I was actually majoring in teaching. And I was doing my student teaching in American government and history classes. So we both just shared this love for our country, and we both recognized the importance of college education, getting as much education as we could and pursuing that path. He finished his bachelor's. He finished his master's at the University of Utah while he was uh, serving city councilman for our city. He got a master's in public administration. He took a leave during that degree, during his pursuit of that degree to serve in Afghanistan, came back and finished, and then got immediately right into his doctoral degree, his PhD. When we were younger, and you know you're first married, you think you know exactly what your life's going to look like. Oh, yeah. You you know everything. (laughs) Nobody knows more than a young person, right? Anyway, he had had his eyes set on a law degree. 
not so much for the practice of law, but for the study of law, the study of politics and, and legal issues and, and the Constitution and things. So at the time, he had looked to get a law degree in Washington, D.C. When we were early married, he had taken the LSAT, did very well, got accepted into several schools, and then instead deployed for the first time which Mm. turned into two consecutive deployments. So the second time, by the time that was over, we had two young children and decided to stay here in Utah rather than relocating back east. And life just took a different path. Uh, In D.C., he could have done several law school programs at night while still working and holding down a job to provide for our family. And in Utah, there's just not really that set up here. Our law schools are are intended to be full-time day classes and that didn't work for the fact that, like I said, we had we had a couple of kids and plans to have a whole bunch of kids, <laughs> and so we found this great we found this great opportunity, and he really fell in love with the program at the U to do his master's degree to pursue his doctorate to still give him that doctoral level that a juris doctor would have given him of just study and research. Oh man, the man could read and remember everything. It would drive me crazy. He would read these hundreds and hundreds of pages and then write write essays and papers that were 20, 30, 40 pages long. And I can't even remember what day of the week it is, you know. So he just had an incredible memory, but really an insatiable hunger for knowledge. And so right after he died, it actually was not us that started the first scholarship conversation. It was some of his professors and his fellow students at the U. He was very close to finishing his doctoral degree at the time he deployed for the last time. He had actually applied for permission to finish his comprehensive exams from Afghanistan doing remote learning. And the U said, no, don't worry about that. Just focus on your mission, and and we'll worry about that when you get back. And um, he didn't make it back. He didn't make it back. And so the U immediately began conversations with us for giving him a posthumous doctorate, which they did. And like I said, some of his professors and colleagues at U began donating to the Memorial Scholarship Fund. And that's really how it started. And then it grew from there. We started talking. I was invited to meet with the the college there, political science and things, and talk about how can we make this work? What kind of funding would we need? How do we make it endowed? For those of you listeners who, who may not know, an endowed scholarship means we give the university a whole bunch of money up front. They invest it. And then the money that's given away to the scholarship recipient each year is actually just taken from the interest. So it's not like we just say, here's $5,000, go find a student and give $5,000 to them. We, to date, have given the University of Utah $75,000, and we have given Brigham Young University $60,000. And with that initial investment, we'll be able to give at least one, if not two, scholarships each year, um, depending on how the market does and depending on the cost of tuition and things. So it's not a set dollar amount. But anyway, once we had it going at the U, I drove away from my meeting at the University of Utah. This is maybe two months after my husband had been killed, and I was driving down Fort South and thought, I cannot possibly have a scholarship only at the University of Utah if our life together began at BYU. So next thing you knew, I was on the phone with uh, Brigham Young University saying, hey, what are we going to do? Because in our family, we bleed red and blue, very very passionately for both, (laughs) and that's where we are. We have a scholarship at both schools. Mrs. Taylor, our, our time has expired. I, I will make one last comment before we say goodbye. I, uh, since uh, your husband's passing, I uh, spent a lot of time uh, researching him. I've even found my way into some of his academic writings and what you described, his ability to uh, consume literature and writings and, and put out 
his own writings in response to explain and convey points. Uh, absolutely masterful. Uh, so I, I do admire your the academic prowess of your husband and uh, and certainly his memory. And I'm grateful to you for finding a way to, to make sure that that memory endures in the academic setting. So thank you for your work here, and thank you for your sacrifice. We're going to take a break. Uh, when we come back, uh, it's expected that President Donald Trump will be delivering remarks from the Rose Garden. He's about a half hour late. <laughs> we'll tune in when he steps up to the mic ahead on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio.